Good morning. Very good to be here. Thank you so much for your attendance and braving the mild weather we were supposed to have today. Very good to, to see each and every one of you. It's been quite a while since I was had the privilege of standing before you and declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and I thank the Lord for the privilege I have this morning. Thank you, John, for the reading this morning. We're going to talk a little bit, a little bit about this amazing prayer that Jonah offered from the belly of the great fish. Hopefully we all know this story. Hopefully from the time we were a small child, we were told this story from our parents and our grandparents. Jonah swallowed by the whale. It really wasn't a whale. Well, it may have been. We don't know. But a great fish. I still get the name mixed up. I still say Noah. I don't get the characters mixed up, but I still say no. And you would think with the grandson named Jonas that I would be able to keep those two names straight. But if I say Noah, Darlis, give me an eyeball. I do mean Jonah. Hopefully I will get that straight. Welcome to the service of the morning. Appreciate your presence very much. But what an amazing, beautiful prayer that Jonah uttered from the belly of the great fish. He spent three days and three nights there, so he had some time to reflect on what he had done. And I'd like to briefly go through the first chapter and the events of that chapter. Uh, I think we all know the story, but just in case. The first chapter there, God had told Jonah to go to this great city called Nineveh. It was an evil city and it was a pagan city. It was a Gentile city. He said, their evil has come up before me. He said, go and warn them. Well, Jonah was a, was a Jew. And he didn't want to go to this evil Gentile city and warn them about the idols that they were doing. So he went another way. He went to a ship bound for Tarshish, not Nineveh. Well, of course, God knew where he was going, but he went down in the hole of this ship and he went to sleep and God sent this great storm. And it's about to, to break up the ship. And the captain finds Jonah asleep. He said, what are you doing? What are you doing? We're about to die here and you're asleep. So Jonah confesses to the captain and they find out that the true God of Israel had caused this storm. And they find out that their only hope is to cast Jonah over the side of the ship. And that brings us to the 14th verse. I'd like to read the last few verses here of Jonah, the first chapter. The Bible says, Therefore they, that's the sailors on this ship, Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased. From its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So, this great fish, we've all seen the stories, the cartoon books that we bought for our kids, 
you know, and hopefully we've told those stories, bought for our kids and our grandkids. Hopefully we've done that, done that ourselves, looked at those books ourselves, and the, most of the cartoon characters kind of resemble that whale. We don't know what kind of fish it was. It was a great fish, and God prepared it. Chances are it wasn't quite as cartoonish in real life. Chances are it was a little bit more frightening, but the fact of the matter is God sent prepared this great fish to save his life, even as frightening as it may have been. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That was a very significant shadow. And Christ even referred to that in the New Testament. Matthew, the 12th chapter. Christ, in dealing with the Jews... The Bible says, Matthew 12, verse 38, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want a sign from you. We want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So he makes reference to the fact that this was a, this was a prophet of God. Verse 40, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. Jonah spending three days and Jonah preaching to the, to the great Gentile city of Nineveh is a shadow of our Christianity. Nineveh repented. Those Gentiles repented and they were saved. They were not destroyed. In the same way is a shadow for the Gentiles of today having the opportunity to repent, to receive that preaching in the same way that we have that opportunity today. That brings us to the beautiful prayer that we heard. And I, hopefully we can, uh, we're not going to get into the end of the story where he actually goes to Nineveh and they do repent. But I want to concentrate on this prayer, if I, if I may, this morning. And the lesson we can learn from it, one of the lessons we can learn from it. Go back over it quickly this morning. The Bible says, Jonah 2 in verse 1, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. This Sheol in the King James is translated hell. And recently, a while back, Ian preached a beautiful lesson and explained to us the difference. It's also translated death here. So death Sheol, hell, and the differences there. Ian explained that for us, and we don't want to get into that, but you get, a, you get an idea of, of what his mental state was at the time. Out of the belly of Sheol, or death, it's better translations, I cried and you heard my voice. Verse 3, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. He's going deeper and deeper, isn't he? And then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. 
The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountain. Now, that's the very base of the mountains. Bottom of the mountains. The waters with it, the, excuse me, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Now, the, now, Jonah volunteered to be thrown over the side. He explained to the sailors, we're all going to die. I've, I've disobeyed the commandment of God, and I'm going to die. And if you want to live, throw me over the side, because I'm going to die anyway. It wasn't exactly a brave act, because he knew he was going to die anyway. The soldiers, they really did a very nice thing. They had already sacrificed all of their cargo, but they decided, well, we can still try to row. So they were rowing fiercely toward the shore, hoping that that would do it. They couldn't do it, said, okay, We've got to throw you over. So they threw Jonah over the side, and the waters calm immediately. And Jonah's sinking lower and lower. The waves, the billows, everything else he's getting. And now it's to the point where even the bars of the earth are seemingly closing behind him forever. He knows he's going to die. He knows that. So think about this list of things he, he lists off here. From the depths of the ocean, from the heart of the sea, descending into the belly of Sheol, death, if you will, the flood surrounding him, the billows and waves pouring over him, seemingly even to the point where he's cast, feels like he's cast out of God's sight, waters of the deep closing in around him, and Denver as a diver can, can testify to the, to the pressure as you get deeper and deeper into the ocean even to the point where it feels like your very soul, his very soul, was surrounded by this water. Weeds wrapping around his head to pull to the very base of the mountain, even the bars of earth closing in behind him forever. You know, but it wasn't his physical location, was it? As a prophet of God, he understood full well that it wasn't his location on the map that was keeping God from seeing him. The same problem they had, the children of Israel had, that Isaiah was explaining to them in the 59th chapter of Isaiah. Verse 1, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is there heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. It was not Jonah's physical location on the map or at the bottom of the mountain of the sea that was his problem with God, was it? Seemingly cast out of God's sight, he knew his problem and his impending death and distance from God was because of his sin. Verse 6, the second half of that verse says, Yet, with all this, yet at that moment, you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. That's just about as close as you're going to get. And he explains how close that was. When my soul fainted within me, that fainted means to swoon. 
When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Yet you brought me up. You brought up my life from the pit. Then from the fish's belly, he says, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. He said, I have sympathy for those in Nineveh or those in, on the ship who are still somehow regarding the worthless idols. He said, they forfeit mercy. I received mine because I regarded God. I repented. And notice what he says in verse 9. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is of the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the great fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. What a beautiful prayer. What a emotion, emotional prayer that we hear there. I chose this particular topic because of what occurred to me a few weeks back when I was in the hospital. I hope you'll indulge me um, for a few minutes and a person that I met in the hospital. When I was in there with COVID, I went in and uh, wasn't, it uh, wasn't any, any worse, worse than some, not as near as bad as others. But I met this young man. When I went in, they told me it would be 10 days. They wanted to put me on a vent. I said, no. He said, do you have religious objections? I said, no. He said, do you have a DNR? I said, no, I just have reservations, and I wanted to talk to Doris before that would occur. And he said, well, we're going to do then this remdesivir five days, steroids five days. I went on the 17th of December. So I'm aggravated, to say the least. I'm going to miss the holidays. I'm in there with, as everyone else is, without your spouse, without loved ones, and I'm going to miss the holidays. About three days in, I meet this man. He's a retired Army Ranger who went back to school and became an RN. And he wanted to help vets. He, he did two tours in Afghanistan, and immediately he starts working with me. He sees that Doris and I tried to educate ourselves. You don't lay down on your back. You raise your head. I can't sleep on my stomach, but that's what you're supposed to do. So you sleep on your side. And, and you can roll over as far as you can over on that side. So I, did, I was trying to do these things. About the third day, this man comes in. He introduces himself. We start visiting. I had drugged my chair as close as I could. I was doing, starting to improve a little bit. The five days of rem, remdesivir had started to my temperature had dropped, started to improve. He asked me about this thing, a little thing about this big with the tube coming out of it. He asked me about this thing, are you using that? I said, yeah, I'm using that. How often are you doing that? I'm doing it, I'm doing it three or four times a day. He said, okay, do you want out of here? I said, yeah, I want out of here. Are you frustrated because you're going to have to spend the holidays in here? Said, yeah, he said, take out your frustration on this thing attack this thing and then hold it 10 seconds and he said I want you to do that 10 times in a row and I want you to do it every hour on the hour he said I'm going to be documenting he said you're going to get this revolving door of doctors but your nurses are going to be constant 
and I'm going to be documenting this thing. We're going to get you out of here. Okay, okay. Ten times a day I can take out my frustrations on this little gadget. Breathe and hold it ten seconds. Ten times. You're going to be times when you're sleeping, but every hour on the hour. I want you to do this when you're not sleeping. Okay, okay, I can do this. Take out some frustrations. I can do this. You're frustrated. I'm bored. I can do this. I can do this. Okay. He said, the other thing I want you to do, this is a couple days later. Another thing I want you to do, and what's that? Let the doctor know that you want out of here. Okay, I can do that too. I can do that too. And they're constantly taking notes. Constantly, because the doctor is a revolving door. The only constant we had were nurses. Okay. Uh, about the 22nd, 21st, they moved me to another room. Better room, but still, anytime I get up, my temperature dropped. Anytime I get up, I'm just exhausted. My O2 level would drop. Anyway, I get a bag of goodies. They're giving me shots three times a day. They're poking my stomach. I'm getting shots of insulin, shots of blood pressure medicine three times a day for insulin, once or twice a day for blood pressure. I get a sack of goodies from the civic organization and from the uh, Girl Scouts. Snickers, Milky Ways, uh, you know, all this candy. Big ones, little ones, cookies, candy bars. I put this thing on behind the bed. I leave it alone. And I'm a chocoholic. I love sweets. And I'm trying to leave this stuff alone. The 22nd of December, I'd left this alone. We moved to this new room, and it's harder to hide it. You know, and, and, but I left it alone. I'd done a pretty good job. I'd left it alone. And this guy's, you know, he's checking on me every day. We're talking. I'm going through physical therapy, and I'm on four liters of oxygen. That's pretty standard, I think, with most people in the hospital. But I had been eyeballing this bag of Gardettos. It's a small bag. It's a little bag. It's about the size of a small bag of potato chips, and it's garlic-flavored. And, and I'm eating hospital food. You know, and, and it was good. It was pretty good. It was, it was okay. Yeah. You know, I open up this bag and I smell it on the 22nd of December. And he's telling me, we can get you out of here. We can get you out of here. We'll keep working. The doctor's not saying this. This is the nurse, okay? Uh, but, but there's still hope. There's still hope. The holidays, it's 22nd. We're getting razor close. And I'm not going to be, I hadn't even started. I Just finishing up the five days of remdesivir, I hadn't even started the steroids yet. And I smell this, oh my goodness, it was amazing. It was amazing to smell something that good. Well, I just eat a few. No, I finish off the bag. Well, it's a little bag, but I finished it off, and I had one Reese's cup. One Reese's peanut butter cup, only this big around. It was tiny. They came in that evening, my, my glucose level, they stuck in the finger, it had gone from 115 to 375. He comes in on the 23rd, he said, Mr. Joyner, what are you doing? I'm trying to get you out of here. What are you doing? Don't you blow this. Don't you blow this. I show him the bag and the wrapper. I said, this is all I did. He said, well, we started you on steroids. That's probably helping. He said, we'll work on it. Hopefully we didn't blow this. We'll see. But by the way, I also turned down your oxygen from four liters down to two and a half. Okay. Okay. Well, Still got a shot. Still got a shot. So he's lowered my oxygen. He's documenting everything, doing physical therapy, the occupational physical therapy too, and I'm trying to work on this thing. And uh, so anyway, we go through that, go through that the morning of the 23rd. 
That was the morning of the 23rd. Came in on the 24th. This is, I mean, it's, it's the holidays. It's the holidays. Come in on the, on the 24th. He said, how did you do? I said, I did well. I did, it was steroids, so you're not sleeping much. But he said, I said, I slept okay. did okay. He said, how was your oxygen? I said, it was good. He said, I turned it down to one and a half. Turned down my oxygen to one and a half? I said, yeah. He said, how'd you do? I said, did fine. He said, take it off. We're turning the oxygen off. They want you to go home with no oxygen. We're going to show them today that you can do that. Turned the oxygen completely off. Came in physical therapy. Did all this stuff. The, the doctor came in. Came in. The, I jumped up. I said, Doc, I want to go home. Well, my vertical leap was about this, this high. <laughs> I, I know that she couldn't have been impressed, uh, you know, by my vertical leap, but hopefully she would have been impressed by my enthusiasm. That was my only hope. She said, well, maybe we could send you home with oxygen. I said, well, I'm not using any. Well, hopefully, hopefully so. Well, we'll see. We'll see. So I'm just holding out hope. But I started packing. But I started packing. Needless to say, I went home that day. I went home that day. This guy worked. I mean, he, he started working days earlier. He worked so hard. He didn't have to do that. No other nurse did that. No other wor- nurse did that. We're wheeling, he's wheeling me outside. Four o'clock that afternoon. See Darlis, and she's out there, and she gets out of the car. We hadn't even had a chance. We were both so sick when she dropped me off. We didn't even have a proper goodbye. I hadn't seen her. I talked to her on the phone, and we had texted, but I hadn't even had a proper goodbye. I hadn't seen her in seven and a half days. And to see her sitting out there, and to see her face, and know that I was going to spend Christmas Eve and Christmas with her, the holidays with her, I can't tell you what, what that meant. I can't tell you emotionally how grateful I was to that guy. And when, when he wheeled me out there and we both got masked on, I can't shake his hands. It's COVID. You can't, you can't express your appreciation to that guy. So I, I just look at him. And you see, you see these athletes. All I could say was no words. I got no words, sir. And you see these athletes do this. You you see them do that. And hopefully they follow up. Because as I'm doing this, I also, there's no doubt who's responsible. There's no doubt who who was responsible for me getting to enjoy Darla's and her company for the holidays. But this man was instrumental. He was so instrumental. Jonah understood that the fish didn't save him. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. He prayed this amazing, beautiful prayer. And so in a roundabout way, that's kind of how I came up with this topic. But Jonah makes three statements here. Two were promises to God. Two promises going forward that he would sacrifice with his voice. There would be no this only. There would, he didn't thank the fish. Now certainly I, I thanked that vessel that God had put in my life to, to do that. But hopefully these athletes are doing more than this. We need to do this, and hopefully we've all been at the point where we're overwhelmed with, with gratitude to God.
whether it's the birth of a child or grandchild or niece, nephew, close friend, grandchild, obeying the gospel of someone dear to us. Um, but hopefully we're doing more than this. Jonah did more than this. He said, I'm going to worship you with my voice. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to offer sacrifice of my voice. Number two, he said, I'm going to do what I told you I was going to do. Now, we don't know whether that was going to Nineveh. We don't know whether that was sacrificing and the sacrifice that they were going to do in the old law, under the old law. And number three, he recognized that salvation wasn't from the great fish. Salvation is of the Lord. It was Christian. It's a shadow of Christianity. In the same way that Hosea, this sacrifice, it wasn't no words. It was a sacrifice from, the, from your lips. Sacrifice of the voice. I will do that. Hosea, talking to the children of Israel, the ten northern tribes, he makes a statement of a time when the children of God will sacrifice not calves, not of animals, but will make those sacrifices to God with their mouth. He says, O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled, you've fallen, because of your iniquity. Take words with you. This is prophecy of the future. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say unto him, take away all iniquity. There was no no such thing as all forgiveness. They made a remembrance of those sins every year. They had to rehash and rehearse those every year while they were during the bloody sacrifice that they were making. Bloody sacrifices and rehashing every sin they'd ever committed. But now take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to Him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously with grace. Because or for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. That's a big deal for us, brothers and sisters. It was a big deal for Jonah. It's a big deal in the prophecies of our Christianity and how grateful and our service and our worship is to be to God today. Offer worship of our lips. The King James translate it we will render the calves of our lips do we think about everyday conversations that we have as being an offering to God do we really consider that certainly we've all been moved to the point of tears in our gratitude to God hopefully we have at one point or another, recognizing what God has done for us and as terrible as this year has been, as just horrible, pitiful as it's been, I think we all recognize the grace too. I think we all do. Do we recognize the fact that every time we have a casual conversation, that's worship. That it's a sacrifice of praise to God of our lips. Let's see what the New Testament says. The sacrifice, the worship, the offering of our lips. 
That's what Jonah was determined to do. How did Jesus describe it? A very interesting passage, and it's familiar to both of us. They had accused Jesus of, of casting out devils by Beelzebub. And Jesus explains to them that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And he goes on to say here, he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. And we understand that. Then he goes on to say, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? And that doesn't mean that a bad person can't ever say anything good. It means that you can't continually or make a habit out of having positive conversations if your heart is bad. That's the point he's making here. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. The heart is so important. It's the center of all things. But what we have coming out of our mouth tells what is in the heart before that fruit ever comes forth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have we ever thought about that? Here's what he's saying. Sure, we're concerned about our fruit. Sure, we're concerned about what is in the heart. But what we're talking about on a daily basis, the conversations that we have on a daily basis, indicates what's in our heart before we even start producing fruit. That's why Christ was so adamant. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Then Solomon said, that's why he said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep the heart, that mind, that control center of everything. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Paul said, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Also, we have to do good. It's not just about talking. We have to do those things. Even Jonah said, I will keep my vow. I will do what I vowed to do. He knew that it wasn't just about talk. It's more than just talking. We have to follow through with those things. But do not forget, verse 16, to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. But if we're speaking, we can't talk trash and produce good fruit. That's what Christ said in Matthew 12. We worship with our words continually. We can't produce good fruit if we talk trash continually. It doesn't work that way. 1 Peter 2. The apostle says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, that's preaching. Show forth, says in the King James. This is New King James we're reading out of. But we're all a chosen generation. 
we're all a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people. That means we all proclaim. We all shout out the praises of him. That means to publish, to declare abroad, to make known by praising or proclaiming, to celebrate, to share. We all do that in our everyday conversation, every day of our lives. Do you think it's possible to talk trash and have a positive effect on anyone, even on ourselves? It doesn't work that way. Christ said, whatever comes out of our mouth indicates what's in our heart. So what's our language sound like? I got the same problem. I didn't say that. Christ did. Mine's not too good sometimes when I have to holler at a referee at a ball game. We all, we all have it. Varying degrees, we all have it. I have to really question mine when somebody cuts me off in traffic. Okay. Maybe it's just a mumble. I need to mumble a little quieter because Darlis gets to hear it sometimes. Whatever comes out of our mouth indicates what's in our heart and what kind of fruit we're producing. We can't always tell, well, how am I doing as a Christian? How, how is that? I mean, what kind of fruit am I producing? Okay, we don't always get that feedback, do we? Well, it's kind of hard to tell if, we, if we're really doing a decent job or not. What kind of Christian am I? Am I you know, am, am I kind of a back, backslider? Am I doing okay? Am I doing? Well, how's our conversation? The fruit of our lips. How is that worship? How is that offering to God? How is that? How is that? The condition of our hearts is revealed by the words of our mouth. The psalmist said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. And I'm not talking about singing, because singing is that too. And we're commanded to sing. We know that scripture, Colossians 3 and verse 16, and throughout Psalms, from one end, Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is Psalms. So we understand the example there in Psalms, and we have a commandment. And I'm not talking about singing, because that's separate from the conversation that we have every day of our lives. I'm not talking about that, because that's a separate commandment. Sing and make melody in your heart unto the Lord. That's Colossians 3 and 16. We understand that. It's a different kind of worship. A different kind of worship to be continually offered in our conversation. Show forth those praises unto God. But we can't sing 24-7. We can't praise, shout praises to God 24-7. Certainly that should be done. And we do that in here and we do that from time to time. But it's continually offered to God. That's done everyday conversation. That's done to our children. That's done to, to one another. That's done to strangers. That's done to people we work with. That's done continually. And it reflects the character of our heart. Christ says that. It reflects the sincerity of our service. It reflects the quality of the fruit that we are or we're not producing. 
the measure of our devotion. And if that's a positive language that we're in the habit of speaking, that increases our faith and it increases the faith of those around us. We're going to get those questions. We're going to get those opportunities. People will come to us and say, hey, I noticed you're, you're a Christian. Can I ask you a question about this? Or what do you think about that? We're going to get those opportunities. If we talk trash, all we're going to get is when we say something about Christ or about God, all we're going to get is the proverbial eye roll. This guy is a Christian. You cannot talk trash and produce fruit. I didn't say it. Christ said it. James 1, verse 26, the Bible says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. Those are wonderful things. To do those things, to visit the widows, and the orphans to do those things, but even those things he says are useless if we don't bridle our tongue. Even those really good, honorable, moral, useful things are useless if we don't bridle our tongue. And I'm stepping on my own toes here as much as I'm stepping on anybody's. Matthew 12, in that same chapter, that we read earlier from Christ, he also says, but I say to you that every idle word men may speak. They will give an account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Every idle word. Continual worship. Our everyday conversation is an offering of worship to God. A sacrifice of our lips. ask you to pick up a songbook or we're going to extend an invitation at this time. If there's anyone in the audience this morning that would need the prayers of the church, we offer that invitation at this time or if there's a gospel subject who has not obeyed the gospel, we have water ready, we have clothing ready. If there's any way we can assist you this morning, we'd ask you to come forward Sit on these chairs, make your wishes known as we stand and sing.